when I think about presence, what I am talking about is the set of interpersonal skills that we have that help us show up as confident and not arrogant. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. The IT leader role is changing, or has changed. They are no longer holding themselves up in a room for testing, problem solving, etc., but their role is now more central to the health and prosperity of businesses across all industries than ever before. These leaders are front and center. You are front and center. You must emerge, present, persuade, and be more dynamic in ways that you may not have anticipated would be necessary. You need to show up with confidence, clarity, and command. Today, I am joined by Alexandra Rafato-Perry of Practically Speaking. Alex is a professional speaking coach who works with individuals and groups to improve their public speaking, storytelling skills, and executive presence. Welcome to the show, Alex. Well, thanks for having me. Before we dive into our topic today, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to start Practically Speaking? Mm, okay. So I'm Alex, Alex Perry, and I am the owner of Practically Speaking. I started Practically Speaking because I have a passion for helping people say what they need to say in the way that they want to say it. My background is that I spent about 16 and a half years in speech language pathology. So I'm a speech language pathologist, which means I worked with people who either by birth or by accident or illness couldn't or lost their ability to speak. When you spend your time helping people like that, it becomes very apparent or it became very apparent to me just how important it is for leaders to speak well. I think about, oh my gosh, I, you know, I worked with Ruby. She's a grandma and she had a stroke and all she wanted to do was be able to like say her grandkids' names, right? That's what she wanted. And, or I worked with Taylor who had a head injury and this poor kid was told he was never going to talk again. And, you know, through a lot of time and a lot of effort, we ended up getting him to the point where he could go to college, like go back to school. And so my passion behind this is, is when a leader speaks well, when somebody walks in and they have confidence and they have command, the effect that we can create from that, right? The positive impact in the world is huge. I really want people to take advantage of the fact that you have a voice and you have something to say and that benefits everyone. So you get more, you get to do more, be more and show up the way you want to. And when you do that, everyone benefits. We recently had this uh, interesting conversation, uh, you and I, and about a room full of uh, 30 of our closest friends uh, (laughs) on presence or executive presence. And, And that's actually one of the three lines of business, if you will, that you focus on. So can you tell us what is executive presence? What do you mean by that? 
Sure, absolutely. So when I think about executive presence and or presence in general, because not everyone is quote unquote an executive, when I think about presence, what I am talking about is the set of interpersonal skills that we have that help us show up as confident and not arrogant. And the way presence works when you think about it, so there's three dimensions of it. You have your style, you have your substance, and you have your standards. And those three things work like a three-legged stool. So if you if you think about um, all three of them are required for a steady steady person or steady balance, that's what presence is. You could also think about it like it's your it's your body, it's your mind, and it's your heart. So what's my style? What's my substance? And what are my standards? The way I say it too, this is always an interesting game to play with people is when one of those things is misaligned, when one of the legs of the stool is off, we can see it immediately. So if I said to you, who's somebody that you know that has all the style in the world, but no substance or standards, (laughs) who would that be? (laughs) Well, let's not name names. (laughs) (laughs) But there's somebody either in popular culture and or in your world that that comes to mind. So let's dig into to each one of those. And what I'd love to do is uh, have our audience be able to take away some key nuggets, one or two from each of those three aspects, something that they could work on today as they're faced with having to walk into the next meeting or present at the next board meeting or whatever it may be that they're dealing with. So let's start with style. When you say style, what things are you talking about there? Sure. Um, And as we're thinking about this, I want to touch just for a second before I, before I completely jump into style, which is why is all of this important? Why does it matter for presence? So when I think about, the people listening to this and what they most want. So they want to be confident. They want to be perceived as somebody who has command, who gets things done, who communicates clearly and concisely. And you want to do that for a boatload of reasons, right? So you have an important message that you need to get across. You have data that you need to uh, get input back on. Maybe you need somebody to buy something, to purchase something. The IT leader role, you've got to access people throughout the organization. And so your presence, your ability to show up with all of these things is it really boils down to how do you get how do you get what you want by showing that you really understand how the other people work. Right. Right. Yeah. So and that's the the big why behind all of this. And so if we go back to those three dimensions, if we think about style, substance, and standard, and we start with style, style is where I say people get the most bang for their buck because it's the most adaptable. It's the everything you see on the outside. So it's your tone of voice. It's your body language. It's your facial expressions. It's the mm-hmm. words that you choose to use and it's how you dress. I want you to think about this from, from two different perspectives if you can. So there's, there's your personal style and then there's everybody else's style, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to have a good grasp on our own and we also need to have a grasp on what other people, what their style is. Jeff, you talked about the piece that I did about this when we were all together with our 30 other IT friends. 
and Mm -hmm. talking about, I'll start with words because this is, this is an easy fix and yet we don't do it very often for people. So when you think about the words that you use, we get to the point, we're all experts in what we do. So we know what we're talking about. So for example, I'm a speech language pathologist. It does not seem odd for me to say something like this, which is here's a patient who suffered uh, a coup contra coup TBI as a result of an MVA. He now has diffuse axonal injury resulting in mild to moderate cognitive linguistic deficits and dysphagia. Jeff, did you understand anything I said? Not a word you said. Not a word, right? (laughs) You don't understand that. But to me, it's very comfortable because it's the language that I speak. What I said was, I have a patient who suffered a head injury. His head went back and forth, which means it shook it up really hard. Because of that, he has trouble with higher level thinking and processing, and he also can't swallow which was easier to understand? Well, the second one. The second one, right? Yeah. So the the number one thing I would tell you to do in terms of the words that you use with other people is check to make sure that what you're using is common language. So we walk into situations and we know exactly what we're talking about. So in the IT world, I, mean, I, I joke. So I looked up like acronyms is another big deal for people. So we Mm -hmm. use acronyms all the time. And I say, when I Google searched all the definitions for IT, just what does IT stand for? There are over 94 different definitions for what IT stands for. We assume that everyone knows that that we're talking about information technology. Right, right. What's fascinating about IT (laughs) within, if you subcategorize, what are the definitions of IT that occur within IT? You all have about 36, 37 different meanings for the acronym IT. It's no wonder we have a problem communicating. (laughs) Right, right. So our style in terms of the words that we use the easiest fix or one of the easiest fixes to think about what am I saying and how is the other person going to interpret that? What can I do to make it easier for them to understand? Not necessarily show that I, it's inherent that you know it, right? You're an IT leader. We expect that from you, that you know what you're talking about. Although I'll tell you with acronyms, sometimes I find people use them and they've forgotten what they mean. Right? What they even mean, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's this stand for anyway? You got, I always say you got the you've got the leader at the head of the table who's been there for a long time, and he's and somebody's throwing off an acronym, and they're like, what's that? And then you've got the newbie at the end of the table who's brand new, and somebody's throwing off an acronym, and they're like, what's that? And then at the break, everybody runs into the bathroom and they're Google searching it on their phone, phone trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> right. You want to up your presence game immediately. Start thinking about the words that you use and how can you make them understandable for all. So if you're going to use an acronym, you're going to quickly explain what it is. IT, information technology. Technology. Yeah, yeah. It takes no time. That was funny because uh, the morning that we're talking about that you were presenting to this group, I followed you. Uh, I had a presentation that I was doing uh, after you had done that. And I probably used the acronym IT 
a million times mm -hmm. in my presentation. And I was so focused because following you of information technology, say the word, say the word, don't just say IT. So you can make those immediate changes. You just need to focus on making those immediate changes, right? I mean, that's part of the part of the process. Right. That it's the whole presence piece. I'm present in my thinking and I'm thinking about how are you going to interpret this? How can I best help you understand? One of the other aspects that you talk a lot about about style is the the clothes we wear. Mm. And, and I know that got into a, a pretty good discussion at lunch uh, a couple of months ago when we were talking about that. Talk to us a little bit about why is that important and what things do you need to, to consider when you're getting dressed in the morning? Mm. So this one is controversial because the workplace has changed so dramatically. I've had people say everything from you know, we have people who show up in their lawn mowing shoes to, you know, well, I just want to be me or mm -hmm. I, I'm most comfortable in this. So my default answer to all of this is when I get dressed in the morning, I think about who am I going to serve today? Mm -hmm. And how do I need to show up? How do I need to dress to best do that service to make them most comfortable? And that requires some, depending on the situation you're in. I think the example that came from the meeting that you're talking about was this. No, it wasn't. This was a different meeting. But somebody asked me, well, I'm going to do a job interview and I don't know how I should dress. And my response was find out what you can about the company and or ask them specifically, what's your dress code? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no problem in my mind with being very upfront about what's going to make everybody most comfortable. So if you are walking into an environment, and I don't know what it's like at InterVision, but if I came in in a full-blown dress suit with heels, pumps, the whole nine yep. yards, I may, I may stand out. But if I'm going to perhaps an Anthem or maybe an Indianapolis bank or something along those lines, I, I'm going to fit right in. So thinking about how do, how do I dress for the people that I'm showing up for? And isn't it important also to, to think about, and maybe this is part of that, right? As leaders or um, when we talk about executive presence, sometimes uh, the C-suite dresses differently than mm -hmm. the rest of the organization. And how do you decide, do you dress like the executives or do you dress like one of the team. Where do you want to be? Yeah. That's my question. And wherever you want to be is okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to be someone who's included at the table and a part of the discussion and treated like an equal, then you're going to dress like an equal. If your role doesn't require that, or that's not a place that you want to be, then whatever the standard is for the, the department that you're working in is fine. I realize that people do have shifting roles and that you may not be able to hit the nail on the head every time. Right. It can be difficult. Absolutely. I go back to when in doubt, dress one level up. Oh, that's a good, that's a good mantra. Mm -hmm. When in doubt, dress one level up. It's very rare that you're going to go wrong with being slightly overdressed. 
everyone notices if you're underdressed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Gosh, I was just with a women's group and they were telling me about some of their new members of an organization. And I mean, these they're young, right? So they're college age individuals, but they were telling me that they will show up for conferences in, in sweatpants and slippers. And I don't know of any huh. scenario where that's, I mean, I don't know of scenarios where that's appropriate yeah, yeah, yeah. in the working world. When I, uh, when I first started at Goodwill, I had just come out of an organization that um, you suited it up every day, right? Men were mm -hmm. in suits and ties, and you rarely even took your jacket off. And then I, I went to Goodwill, which was business casual. It wasn't casual, but business casual. But I kept wearing my suit every day. And finally, I was in a one-on-one -on -one with my boss, and he kind of looked at me and said, you know, you're making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> Ah. So I decided yeah. I'd uh, dress a little more casual after that. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because it, it boils down to making other people comfortable with your presence in general. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's a time when you're wanting to make someone uncomfortable that with you do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm stretching on that one, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I'm like, well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there, was there was another story I was uh, – uh, friend of mine is uh, a founder of a very large software company. And he was talking about, uh, he was taking a trip to New York City to talk to Dwayne Wade. Now, I know you're not a big sports oh. person, but you know Dwayne Wade, no. uh, hopefully a big basketball player, but he's was a potential investor in, uh, in this software company that he was starting up. So he flies to New York, Long story short, plane delays, all these types of things, and he has no time to go by the hotel room before he's supposed to meet with Dwayne and his people. And so he walks into this meeting with Mr. Wade, and he, my friend, is wearing a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. And Dwayne looked at him across the table, and I said, well, I guess we know who the richest person in the room is, don't we? <laughs> Oh. Uh, so I don't know if that was the impression he was trying to make, but, uh, and he never told me the story, rest of the story, whether Dwayne uh, invested or not. So, wow. so style is important. Let, let's shift a little bit into uh, the second leg of the stool, which is substance. Talk to us about what that means and what okay. are some takeaways for our audience to improve their substance? Sure. So when we talk about substance in terms of presence, substance really is the depth of your knowledge. So how much do you know? How much don't you know? Uh, I include in here with your substance, it, it also includes your emotional intelligence, how, how well you know your own emotions and how you use those to navigate the world. And also how well you understand uh, emotions of others and influence those emotions included as well would be things like your grit and your persistence mm -hmm. in this area. When I think about what people can do when it comes to their substance, um, we're all pretty good about knowing, okay, I, I, you know, I have areas that I need to learn. Here are the things that I'm working on. But how do we effectively use what we know to help other people is what I think about when I think about presence. Mm -hmm. And I also go back to thinking about how do I best demonstrate what I know or highlight how, um, how much other people know. So 
in particular, when I think about leaders or I think about experts and IT people definitely fall within this expert category, right? You highly trained individuals who know an awful lot. The trap that we fall into when we're expert on something is that we tend to want to tell people all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also known as being the smartest person at the table. Right. So what I like to encourage leaders to do is not always think about, <laughs> not always think about how much, you know, or gathering up how much you, you know about yourself. So, like uh, I have a, yes, I have a PhD in me. Yes. Yes. Right. I have a PhD in me. I probably have four of them. A master's degree. I've taken extended courses on myself. Where I think there's such opportunity to growth for growth with leaders is really looking across the table and saying, what is it that I know about that other person mm-hmm. and how they process? What do they need to know? What do they know already that I can access? So I'm highlighting them. Those are the big substance pieces that I see. But there's, there's definitely that if I'm really smart, I'm going to make sure everyone in the room knows that. But but that is a a hard tightrope to walk, right? You don't want Mm -hmm. the meeting to go off the rails, so to speak, and go in a wrong direction if you know something. But it's also kind of the way you introduced the topic of presence to begin with was being confident without being arrogant. So how do you learn how to do that? How do you learn to correct someone or correct the direction of a meeting without sounding like you you think you are the smartest person in the room? The number one skill I, I teach in that would be to ask questions. So if something's going off the rails, what's the question that I can ask that's going to get us back on track? Yeah. So that might, that might be is this something that we need to discuss now or is this something that we can discuss later? Yeah. What made you bring that, this up? Am I answering that question yeah, in a way yeah, that makes yeah. sense? Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah. that's great to be able to mm-hmm. ask a question that gets the topic back on track. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Tell me why you thought of this or tell me where you're going with this. I'm a big fan of open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're not the ranking person in the room. You're you're working within a group and there's someone there who has a, a bigger title than you, a bigger role than you. Do you change your approach at all when you think that you're right and they may not be? Do you change your approach? Well, I'd have to know what your approach was. <laughs> well, yeah. so the approach of asking the probing questions, does that work in that type of scenario? If there's a power differential and the person who has the greater level of power is the one that's off the rails, is that yeah, what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. You said it much more eloquently than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm checking for clarity. I want to make sure I understand the question before I answer. So I would say that in general, most people respond well to questions. Mm-hmm. So the tactic that I would teach here is to, what do you know about this person? And what's the question that I can ask them that's going to uh, be perceived as confident, but not I'm arrogant or I'm trying to one up you or I'm trying to, I'm trying to create an imbalance or or make your life difficult. I don't know. 
I don't think in general that that's, that's what we want to do with people, but I, I wouldn't change the tactic necessarily. Okay. I would, I would encourage pausing to think before I did it. That so. advice could play out in a lot of different ways. Pause before you speak. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, get, I get that question all the time. People ask me, well, how do you speak on the fly? And I, well, the first step in speaking on the fly is to take a moment before you respond. Yeah. And that's really hard for people. We're already impulsive. Let's go, go, go. Let's go super fast. But if you can take a second or two and write down your thought and then respond, then you can speak on the fly. That's right. That's right. That's, that's a great, great advice. So, so mm-hmm. the third leg of the stool that you talk about is standards. Talk mm. to us about standards and how that applies to presence. Sure. Your standards are your values on display. Uh, the easiest way to think about this is it's your values in action. How do I, so I, I can have all the style and I can all the, have all the substance in the world, but if my actions don't, don't reflect my standards, people are going to see it. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced that in your career, Jeff, but I can give you examples of where I've experienced that. <laughs> um, yeah, is it people are maybe being disingenuous a little bit or so give us some examples of where you've seen that and sure. how it breaks down the, the process. I don't think it's necessarily that people are being disingenuous. I think that there is the tendency to not be intentional. So if, if I, let me give you an example. So I have um, a high working or a high achieving executive mom who very, very much cares about her family. There's no question in my mind about that from what she tells me, mm-hmm. right? So she says, I love my family. I love my family. I love my family. No question in my mind until I'm working with her and she says, well, I stay up until you know, eight o'clock every night and I'm on my laptop mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to say loves my family, but it, it's an incongruency from, from what she says and what she does. So, she, you know, um, I leave work late every night. I'm not home for dinner. I, you know, am logging in at eight o'clock at night. And, you know, after I put the kids to bed and working until 11, that I'm responding to emails at four o'clock in the morning. There's this idea that, okay, well, you know, you say that family time is important and you want me to have my own family time. You value, you say you value your family time, but what you're demonstrating to me is that that's not, that's not as accurate because I can see all of these behaviors that are incongruent with that. Yeah. But that's, that's that's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. Because uh, oh, I did. I, I've yet to say presence was easy. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a very good point. Very good point. <laughs> I mean, I, I struggle yeah. with that a little bit too, right? Because I I talk about how important family is, and and uh, I try uh, as I'm, I'm working with our our team here to make sure that they have time to go do the the events with their children and and be there for family time. Yet. One of my favorite times of working for me personally is Sunday mornings. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think about every email I send on Sunday morning and what message that conveys about family time and getting away from work and that. And I try really, really hard to put 
in the email, hey, I'm not asking for a response. You don't even have to read this till Monday morning. I'm just getting it off of my plate. Mm-hmm. So it is difficult to try to balance that. I mean, that is a great example of yes. trying to. Well, but I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I think what you're doing, though, is taking the extra step to acknowledge that. You know, so maybe your family time occurs at a different point, but acknowledging that for other people, this might be a sacred time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah this Sunday morning time might be incredibly important to them. So thinking about the intention, do my words align with my actions? And so if, if you're saying that Sunday time is a, is a prime work time for you, then you can say that and not expect it from other people. I think where we run into trouble is when we are inconsistent and then we don't acknowledge what's expected or hold good boundaries for other people around the standards we've set for ourselves. So you have a standard that's set for yourself, but are you setting that standard for For other other people? people? Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so what's an action that our listeners could take related to standards and making sure that we're living and exhibiting the standards that that we have set? Mm. So what's an action you can take? If I say it, do I do it? So I, I would look at what are the things that I'm saying that the easiest way to answer that is do, am I doing what I said I would do? So if I say it's important to me to respond with, if the standard that I set for myself is that it's important to me to respond within 24 hours, Mm -hmm. then am Am I I living up to that standard? Mm -hmm. So that's a personal standard. The flip side of that is, do you hold other people to that standard? And should you hold other people to that standard? I think that's where the, a little bit of the the question comes in for a leader. Um, And it goes back to setting clear expectations and clear boundaries around what are, what are your personal standards and what are the organization's standards? Yeah. What do, what do we expect? And and sometimes those are difficult to differentiate, right? Uh, it just mm-hmm. depends um, on corporate culture versus what things you're trying to do as a leader in your area. But if you're if you're holding yourself to those same standards that you hold other people to, and vice versa, then you're you're being congruent in the way that you present yourself. Yes. Uh, a way this shows up in leadership that I'm sure you've heard on more than one occasion is the, I value everyone's opinion. And then perhaps in a meeting, not everyone's opinion gets right, heard. Right. So a thing to point out to a leader who, who you're saying that, but are you following up with that action? Are you making sure that if it's a group of six people and only three are speaking that you either call on the other three people or that you are somehow or another making it, making the environment conducive to everyone sharing their opinion. A really quick way to do that too. If you've got a group where you've got people who some are the over talkers and we know this from a research perspective, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like any, in any group of six, you're going to have two to three that are the primary talkers. Right. And then you're going to have, you're going to have the other people. If you want to do something that's a brainstorm where you want everyone's ideas, instead of having people say those ideas out loud, which is not always comfortable for 
um, everyone in the group, have them write the ideas down. Oh, great idea. Have them write it down and then put it up anonymously. So here are the here are the 17 post-it notes of ideas. And we're gonna we're gonna go through these. And that that creates an environment that's really safe for for everyone to share what they're thinking or or provide their input. I love that advice. As a as a stereotypical introverted IT person, um, I love yeah. the ability to be able to write it down and not say it out loud. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to part of your presence is being aware of not just how you operate, but how everyone around the table operates. Right. So I I would think about the people listening to this. I bet a lot of them have a lot of these components dialed in, but it's it's that shift from, okay, this is not just all about me. It's about what can I do to make these things easier? That's right. I love that. Alex, I have really enjoyed our our conversation today. I always like to put our guests kind of on the spot at the end. So now it's your turn. Uh, And that is, I'm going to ask you, what question didn't I ask? And the answer is so important that we would be remiss without sharing it to our audience. Mm. What question did you not ask? that that it would be it would be remiss not to ask it for this audience do we ever achieve a perfect and or complete sense of executive presence oh i like that so do we no <laughs> that was too easy of an answer like, a, like i gave myself a closed ended question <laughs> so if we don't what do we do about that. It's a it's a continual process of improvement. It's continuous relentless improvement. I and you can tell me if this is not true in the IT world, but I work in the training and development world where there are a lot of quick fixes and formulas and well if you just do x y and z then all of a sudden all of a sudden you're going to have it. And that's not true with presence, I think it's not true with many things. I think the things that we most strive for are that we will most want are a continual process and a continual evolution. And that the more you work on it, the better you get. And there's always room for growth. That's great. I love that as a way to wrap up. I take away so much from each and every one of our conversations. Uh, I think um, as I look back on on my notes, just to highlight some of my takeaways that hopefully uh, uh, resonate with our audience. When you're talking about style, language is important. Take the time to mm-hmm. to choose your words. Make sure that the words you're using convey what you think they're conveying. In the area of substance, I loved your point about asking questions to guide the conversation rather than coming across as, hey, I know it all. Ask questions that'll that'll get you in the right direction. And when it comes to standards, if I say it, do I do it? I think uh, that's a great catchphrase for people to hold themselves uh, accountable to that. For our listeners, I would challenge you to think about your presence when you walk into a room and 
Think about some steps that you can take to improve your presence. As Alex said, it's this continuous process as we grow in our leadership to be able to continue to grow our presence. So as a listener, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Alex Rufato Perry. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.